So I know you've, you've probably noticed a pattern that from time to time I like to have a reader up here. And uh, for me, it, a lot of times it just depends on the length of the text that we may be doing on a given Sunday. And if, uh, if it's much longer than 10 verses, I like to have someone else up here uh, giving a voice shift uh, reading with me. And uh, so, Abigail, I'm grateful to you for being willing to be up here this morning. Uh, we are, this is the last Sunday of this mini-series called Stories Jesus Told, uh, different parables Jesus told within the context of the three years with Jesus that we're doing. So this parable uh, is called the parable of the workers in the vineyard, and we're going to dig into this and see uh, what is Jesus getting at? Why does Jesus even tell this story? Uh, what might we have to glean from it? What's going on here? And uh, what does it mean for us today? So, Abigail. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who okay. went Okay, so the kingdom of heaven is like. Now remember, as we've been looking at these different parables, a number of them have started this way, right? Jesus starts a number of his stories saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. Uh, so Jesus arrives on the scene saying, the kingdom is among us. Uh, he says, turn, change your mind. Uh, the, the word used in the Greek is repent, but it, it means to, to literally turn, to change your mind, to think differently, because something new is happening, and Jesus is inviting us all into it. And so he tells stories talking about what this kingdom looks like, because if you remember, we've talked about many times uh, that in this first century worldview, for people, the term kingdom, what comes to mind immediately is Rome. Rome is the kingdom. The empire of Rome that has world domination, the, the global military economic superpower of the day, that's what a kingdom looks like. And Jesus says, I am coming to tell you about an alternative kingdom, an alternative way of being in the world, an alternative way of being human and embodying a completely different kind of kingdom. And it's this kingdom of shalom where there's this beautiful, loving union with God and others and, and this connection within ourselves where we, we can uh, understand that not only is this kingdom all around us, but God has implanted it within us. And, and we've been entrusted to steward all that God has given us. And so Jesus tells some of these stories, saying this is what the kingdom is like. And so now we're going to hear another story of what the kingdom is like. Who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Okay, so uh, if you were here last week, we looked at a parable uh, that um, talked about this this man who had a huge debt, an overwhelming debt, like an infinity amount of money. The, the sum was just beyond grasp. And the king who he was in debt to forgave his debt. Uh, and so now we go from a huge sum of money in one parable to this small sum. A denarius was uh, generally, most believe, it was about the amount of money a day laborer needed to make in order to provide daily bread. So if you look at the prayer Jesus taught his disciples, part of it says, give me this day my daily bread. 
a part of that prayer to God is this recognition of, give me just enough for what I need for today, and I will trust you that you will give me just enough for what I need for tomorrow. It goes all the way back to the ancient story of the Israelites in the desert uh, after they were freed from slavery in Egypt, and God provided manna from heaven. And if they co- and God's direction was collect enough for today, and I will give you more tomorrow. Some people functioning out of fear, saw the manna and collected as much as they could because they wanted to make sure they had more for the next day. But it spoiled by the next day. And God, true to his word, provided manna the next day and the next day and the next day. The only day it was different was the day before Sabbath. They were told to collect enough for two days and no manna fell on Sabbath. And so this is a reminder that God is a God who provides our daily bread. That there are times in our lives where God gives us just enough. And it's not necessarily money. It's just a, God, I I just need a word from you today to get me through today. Just enough. My daily bread, my daily spiritual nourishment to feed me and get me through today. God is a God who provides our daily bread. And this landowner agrees to pay these workers a day wage. Uh, And so these are day laborers. They're they're folks who are out in the market waiting for someone to come and hire them. And this landowner comes and hires a group of these laborers. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard. I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. Okay, so uh, recognize here the landowner doesn't say, I'll pay you a denarius or I'll pay you just under a denarius. Uh, He says, I'll pay you whatever is right. And so we're left wondering, hmm, I wonder what these workers will get paid. Because the first workers were offered the daily wage, but these workers are coming a little later, so I wonder what they'll get paid. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us yet. They answered, He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Okay, so by the time uh, the landowner hires these last folks, about five in the afternoon, there's only really about an hour left of work for the day. And the landowner says, what what are you doing? Why are you just standing around? I think part of what's important to notice in this parable is that uh, these folks who were hired last aren't necessarily lazy for not having worked the whole day. They simply respond, because no one has hired us. We've been here all day, waiting. And and so there's this sense that perhaps these who are hired last are are the least, are are the least desirable to have work in the vineyard. Perhaps they they have uh, physical issues and and they can't work as hard as some others would. And so they, they would be the ones who are standing in the market all day long waiting to get hired, and no one hires them. Uh, One thought 
about that. Uh, the God revealed in Jesus is the God who is out in the marketplace looking for the people everybody else tried to ignore, welcoming them on the same terms, surprising them and everybody else with generous grace. Uh, that the God we know who is revealed in and through Jesus comes and invites everybody into his vineyard to work and to take care and to steward that which we've been entrusted with. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wedges, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. Okay, uh, so uh, the owner could have paid the first workers first and sent them on their way, therefore avoiding the conflict, which we'll see in a minute, but he doesn't. Why? Perhaps to cause us all to look inwardly rather than out at what others have received. So it's interesting. The landowner says, have those who came to work last paid first, and then pay the ones who came to work first last. I mean, the, the landowner is just setting up a conflict here. Uh, for those who came to work first to see what the last folks get paid. Let's see what happens. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. Whoa! So those who, who only worked for an hour get the full day wage. So if you came first, what are you thinking? Maybe, or you're thinking, ooh, this is going to be a good day. If he's going to pay them a denarius for working one hour, this is going to be a good day. We're going to the pub tonight. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. Okay, they expected to receive more. Uh, the landowner had said, come and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you a denarius. But they see people who only worked an hour get a denarius. And so now, even though there was an agreement in the morning, now the expectation has changed. They expected to get paid more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only in one hour. They said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. Okay, they're not happy, right? You, they began to grumble against the landowner. And they say, you have made them equal to us. Uh, expectations unmet by these first workers. They expected to get paid more. Um, I wonder how many of us can relate to feeling like we do more and others get rewarded just the same or more. How many of us is it so easy to look at others and say, why, th why them? 
Why do they get that? Or why do they get to do that? Or why do they have all of that? Like, what about me? Where, where's, where's the equity here? Where, where is my just reward? And these first workers have an attitude of grumbling against the landowner, even though they had agreed to the day wage that the landowner had offered them. Because he answered one of them. I am not being unfair to you, friend, but... Okay, so this is really important for us to catch. These first workers, the landowner says to them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. He calls them friends. Uh, I don't know how many times I've read this parable in my life. A lot. Uh, I think this is the first time that I've really dug into it enough and meditated on it and studied it and all of a sudden had this aha moment. The landowner calls them friends. We are friends of God. Uh, Jesus once said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Like uh, I think we often think of our relationship with God, as we should, that we are children of God. We are God's daughters and sons. Uh, uh, God views us as his intimate family. God also views us as friends. And uh, the, the scriptures say about Moses, when Moses would go into what was called the tent of meeting or the tabernacle to talk with God, it says, and Moses talked with God as a friend talks to a friend. Uh, there is this invitation. Uh, whatever your prayer life looks like, I wonder what it would look like for us to embrace the reality that Part of our prayer life is spiritual friendship with God. That God longs to be our friend. And God says to these first workers who are grumbling against him, he says, listen, I, I was not unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give, you, I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you evenness because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Okay, a couple of thoughts here. Uh, this parable ends with this line that Jesus often uses to talk about the kingdom. The last will be first and the first will be last. Interestingly, it, it, just before Jesus tells this parable, he says the same thing. So in chapter 19, he's... He's talking about this rich young ruler uh, who comes to Jesus and asks what he must do to enter the kingdom. And, and in this conversation, Jesus ultimately says, uh, well, sell everything you have and give to the poor. And the rich young ruler goes away sad because he had great wealth. Uh, and then he has this conversation with Peter and then ends the conversation with Peter in chapter 1930 by saying, but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Then he tells this story and then says the same thing. So Jesus, once again, is trying to help us understand this kingdom that he is all about, that he is inviting us into, looks totally different than the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus, uh, the, the landowner, says to the first workers, listen, do you, do you, I'm not being unfair to you. 
We made an agreement. And I invited you to work in my vineyard. I, I think part of the deal here that we're invited to see is that the work in God's kingdom, in God's vineyard, is not about the wage. It's about the joy of getting to work in God's kingdom. And it's about a posture and an attitude that we are invited to have around the work we've been, been entrusted with without looking around and seeing what, what does everyone else get to do and what does everyone else have and why don't I have that? Why don't I get to do that? And this landowner says, are, are you envious because I'm generous? Uh, in the Greek, the, the word are you envious is uh, actually literally is your eye evil or evil eye. It's like uh, the, these first workers gave the landowner the evil eye. They're like grumbling and they gave the landowner the evil eye because he gave the last workers the same amount that he gave them. And so the evil eye. Here, here it is the eye that loves the darkness of its bookkeeper's ways. The, I misspelled that. The eye that can't stand generous grace. So last week we talked a little bit about this as well, bookkeeping. That God is a God who throws out the books, but we keep the books, don't we? We keep track of every wrong. We keep track of what should be ours. We, we have our way of bookkeeping, but God's bookkeeping looks totally different. Jesus says in Matthew, next slide, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. It's this invitation to a way of viewing reality. It's this invitation to a way of looking at what God is doing in God's kingdom. There's an invitation to view reality in a certain way. And if we allow the negativity, the anger, the resentment to take control, then it's darkness. But if we allow God to fill us with his spirit in such a way that we can see the gift, that everything is gift, that the day's work in the vineyard, even when others, it looks like, didn't work as hard but got paid just as much, that the day's work in the vineyard is the gift, that we as Paul says in Ephesians, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, how are we living into that? How are we living into the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do? Are we entering into those things with joy, or is there grumbling because others aren't doing their share of the work. Uh, next slide. This parable reminds us that God is a lousy bookkeeper and invites us to transform our pride, envy, and hardness into joy by admiring and celebrating God's astounding generosity. Paul says elsewhere, he, he talks about contentment and, and learning what he calls the secret of contentment. Uh, and I think this is a part of the, 
long, hard path of human formation, of our own spiritual development in Christ, is what does it look like to be able to be at a place where we are content with each day and that which we have? Uh, He says it this way. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Uh, If anyone had the right to complain about working more than anyone else, it was probably Paul. Paul was constantly on the move. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was on this journey across Asia Minor, sharing the good news of this kingdom. And he doesn't complain about how much he's doing and how little others are doing. He just simply says, listen, I've learned to be content. I'm working in the vineyard, and it's brought me joy. And this is the work God has called me to. And I'm going to do it with joy and contentment. Assumptions often end up being planned resentments. Whenever we assume anything, we set ourselves up for the disappointment, and we set the other person up as the object of our disappointment, anger, or resentment. These workers who had been working in the vineyard all day long, when they see what the landowner pays those who had only worked an hour, the text says they expected to get paid more. So the expectation, the assumption was for more. And when their expectation was unmet, it led to grumbling, to resentment. When we place our own assumptions, our own expectations on others, it often ends up, whether consciously or not, usually unconsciously, as a planned resentment. If our expectations aren't met in others. I wonder, what if we lived from these assumptions? God loves me and all creation deeply and profoundly. I and all others are made in the image of God. God's generosity is beyond our wildest imagination. There is nothing I can do to earn or deserve God's generosity. I already have it. And then I think uh, each one of us could write some of our own, some, some truths that we know deep in our bones to be true about God, who God is, God's love and kindness and favor to us, that every breath is gift, that every good gift comes from God, and we're invited into a way of being in the world that is this alternative kingdom that Jesus spoke about over and over and over again. Uh, When the gospel is talked about, people talk about sharing the gospel or preaching the gospel. It's all, in in Jesus' mind, it's always the gospel of the kingdom. Gospel simply means good news. So Jesus came to share the good news of an alternative kingdom of an alternative humanity, of an alternative way of being in the world. The invitation is to live this alternative life 
by God's grace, led by God's spirit. Uh, And so it comes down to a choice, gripe or gratitude. For these first workers, it was gripe. When the opportunity was for gratitude. Uh, So I wonder for us, what, what gripe might we be holding on to? When I, when I stop and just reflect on my own life and uh, wonder, where am I griping? What, what am I grumbling about? What, where am I uh, holding resentment about everything I may be doing or uh, looking and saying, why them? Uh, where is it? For you, where is the gripe? What, what are you holding on to that God is simply inviting you to release and exchange for gratitude? To recognize, oh, this, this kingdom life, this working in the vineyard, this, this way of being in the world, this is gift. And God invites me to live that gift and to give that gift to the world in every possible way, and to do it with joy and gratitude and a heart that desires to see God's kingdom of shalom come among us right here, right now, for the good of the world. Uh, Jesus comes and shows us what, it, what it's like to live and work in the vineyard, to give of himself. Uh, Jesus who on the night he was betrayed took bread and broke it and said, this is my body which is given for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, that the beautiful work of the vineyard on the cross for our sakes. Uh, The invitation from Jesus is to be working in the vineyard, but also to be connected to the vine. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me, and you will bear much fruit. This invitation from Jesus is to look like a different type of people in the world. This uh, communion, Lord's Supper, Eucharist. Eucharist means good gift. The body and blood of Christ broken and poured out for us. It's a good gift. And the invitation is for us to look like Jesus to the world, being willing to have our bodies broken and our blood poured out for the sake of the world. What does it look like for us today? to be broken and poured out for the sake of the world, and then to come and be filled back up with the goodness of God and to live and work in the vineyard with joy and delight. Uh, So I wonder this morning, as we come forward and take the bread and dip it in the cup, what am I grateful for right now? Let's just simply reflect on that question. What am I grateful for right now? As you come and partake of this good gift, uh, if we can be a
become a people who focus more and more on what we're grateful for rather than ways we've been wronged, ways we've been cheated, ways we haven't gotten what we feel we deserve. If we can live with gratitude to God and to others, I really think it'll change us. It'll change the way we are with others. It'll change the way we interact in the world. It'll be a new, what Paul calls it, the new humanity. This new way of being human, which is really a very ancient old way that God created us for from the beginning of everything. God, thank you for these stories of Jesus. I pray that you would Help us. God, we ask for your help to live this new humanity, to live in this way that you created us to live. The way of love, the way of joy, the way of peace, the way of forgiveness, the way of kindness, the way of embrace, the way of generosity. Thank you for your lavish, generous gifts. May we be a people who give lavishly and generously in all that we do. In the name of Jesus, amen.